everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration podcast. My name is Ton Dobber and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big and therefore we should. Doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. And this podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Rob Bromage, CEO of IntelliHR. I think fundamentally, you know, a lot of leaders don't necessarily have the information or the tools that they need to look after their staff. And mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of businesses, exactly that. They think the way we, we get performance is from top down, but it's really about empowering people bottom up. I think if you you focus on connecting staff with their leaders and in improving, I suppose, their conversation, so really creating meaningful conversations and supporting them to, to be aligned around expectations, then you, you're just going to naturally create a, a circle of understanding. HR, in my opinion, is, is the best place function role in any organisation to uh, impact performance. And they really should be involved in connecting, you know, the, the, the customer strategy with the, the, the people strategy or the people strategy with the customer strategies. If they're spending their time on administrative or compliance tasks and, you know, they're, they're a wasted asset, uh, in, in my opinion. This is Rob. Rob is the founder and CEO of IntelliHR, an Australian HR technology business that's marketing and developing a next generation people management platform. They're stock listed on the ASX index. Before he became the CEO of IntelliHR, he ran APRG, a human capital management consulting organization. He also founded Resource Partners, an investment organization for the incubation and development of intellectual property in the human resources sector. As you can guess, his passion is people, performance, and enabling technologies. And Rob believes that people are an organization's greatest asset. There is great opportunity for every business to leverage this valuable and powerful driver for economic success. And this triggered me, hence I invited Rob to my podcast. We explore the secrets of driving performance through people in order to become a high-performance organization. We dive into the role of disruptive technologies such as predictive analytics and natural language processing and how these tools can raise performance and engagement. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, how all traditional processes such as for example applicant tracking can be disrupted by reimagining it with the concepts and technologies from other processes around us. Secondly, why HR and people management is not so much about software, but all about creating meaningful outcomes that change behavior and impact culture. And thirdly, that in order to drive significant increase in performance and people engagement, a core design goal should be to make solutions addictive. So, in order to get the podcast started, Rob, can you introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background and your and your passions? Yeah, my name's Rob Bramage. Um, my background, probably 20 odd years in HR consulting, specifically, I suppose the work that really took my keen interest was working with businesses in around creating predictive models for performance benchmarking, reducing attrition in businesses and improving performance and productivity. I started a yeah, I got really passionate about obviously predictive analytics, but also then looking at data and started to find that businesses uh, 
did not have any data or real-time data that I could actually use to, to help build my models. So started building basic software where I could actually pick up, you know, data collection for the full employee life cycle and, you know, specific working around continuous feedback type tools and automating, you know, performance reporting processes. So I could actually get data that, that could actually be used to um, create some regression models. So, um, yeah, very keen interest in around the human capital management sort of analytics and how they actually impact on general performance, but more specifically business performance. Yeah. So why is that passion? Where is, where is it coming from? The passion? I suppose you could probably say I'm just like a, a data nerd or, you know, I suppose um, I, I've always been very interested in business performance and, you know, understanding that, you know, I suppose, you know, you need you know, markers and early warning signs and, you know, the alignment or correlation of data that equals performance. I was always very interested to actually find out what those things were. You know, I think businesses, and I believe very passionately that people are are what makes business successful. So, you know, I suppose pursuing a career in around uh, people and performance was was something, you know, that that excited me and interested me and being able to put a, a bit of data science to it so that, you know, you can prove it, you know, was, was something that really interested me. Hmm. So then you you uh, you started IntelliHR. So what is the big idea be- behind this company? Well, ultimately, it actually started off with helping businesses and helping people. Ultimately, and it was about building a tool that people could, you know, I suppose, have information about themselves and have more control about their own performance and their own careers, and and I suppose leading to better conversations, you know, with with their own managers. So really building, I suppose, a system that actually looked from, from bottom up to, to the business and supporting leaders be, be better at what they're actually doing. Meanwhile, putting, I suppose, a transparent sort of blanket across an organisation so that the, the enterprise itself could actually, you know, see all the necessary information around performance in their business um, at one sort of click. So um, the big idea really came from wanting to help businesses, wanting to help people, building more contemporary processes where, you know, staff had, had good control, but we gave good tools to, to leaders to, to, to look after their people better. Yeah, that's interesting. Because well, what you typically see with performance management, it's something that goes top down because the business wants to understand how you are doing and, and have that discussion in order to yeah. correct you. What well, you absolutely. is that, that you created tools for the people to understand how they're doing, how they're yeah, well, throughout a career. I, I think fundamentally... You know, a lot of leaders don't necessarily have the information or the tools that they need to look after their staff. And mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of businesses, exactly that, they think the way we, we get performance is from top down, but it's really about empowering people bottom up. And, you know, if you're providing tools to staff that they see value in and actually contributes to to themselves, then they'll use it. You know, like nice, nice continuous feedback checking type processes. And, you know, if you're asking your staff, you know, you know, how they're actually going and what they've done that they're proud of and where they actually need help, you know, that the things are actually happy to to answer. And if you're sharing that with their leader, suddenly you've got a leader that's actually, you know, has a quick snapshot of how someone's going, what they're doing well and, and where they actually need help. So immediately if they need help, then the, the leader's in a position to to be able to act on that. So you know, I think if you, you focus on connecting staff with their leaders and in improving, I suppose, their conversation, so really creating meaningful conversations and supporting them to, to be aligned around expectations, then you, you're just going to naturally create a, a circle of understanding, people understanding what they, they need to actually do, and, you know, that's going to lead to better performance. Yeah, exactly. 
So is this sort of feedback that people get in real time, that get people get while they're working on things, or is it something that you actually can, can check on a, on a monthly basis, for example? Yeah, you can do it. You know, I suppose a lot of our customers on our platform actually you know, set those processes up to suit their businesses. And again, that's something really important in terms of, you know, I suppose any performance management system that, you know, it talks to the culture of the business and, you know, I suppose is in timing with how the business actually, you know, the speed of the business as well. So, you know, and, and it's something that I suppose the staff member can choose to complete when they want to complete, but the business can also encourage, you know, a, a regular process from, from that perspective. Hmm. So, so if you look at, for example, your customers and uh, customer situation before they started to use IntelliHR and, and after that, what do your customers sure. see as the main differences? Yeah, funnily enough, and, and again, I, I say to people, it's actually really simple. Um, the, the main differences are staff uh, increase in terms of their engagement uh, with the business. They have a greater understanding of what it is that they're actually you know, setting out to actually do and achieve. But more importantly, these, these meaningful conversations that they're actually having with their leaders and, you know, on the, on the back of that, we've seen customers increase marketed, you know, levels of engagement across the business, their um, completion rates of one-on-one catch-ups with managers, you know, hit kind of record highs, which is really important. You know, the, the frequent and the dynamic setting of goals and, and conversations in around the performance of goals actually increase. And, you know, I suppose when I look at the successful outcome of our product is customers are actually using it. And, you know, we're looking for high adoption levels of the processes. And, you know, if, if we're actually supporting our customers get high adoption levels of the performance management tools, then, you know, we know that, you know, they're, they're improving performance across the business. And, you know, we, we've seen some really exciting, you know, outcomes for customers, you know, in around engagement surveys, in around, you know, um, you know, completion of uh, important tasks and, uh, and importantly, um, you know, I suppose resulting financial performance for those organisations. It's funny, by the way, because every time I hear people talk about performance reviews, they all say, well, well like, we want to skip it. Everybody hates it. Yeah. It doesn't contribute. And you're saying the opposite here. Not really, no. I actually, um, funnily enough, we've, we've also automated performance reviews. So if you actually increase, you know, contact around the important things. So if you've got check-ins going on where you actually are talking about how someone's going and you, know, you are talking about things that they've done well and you are talking about where they actually need some help, yeah. you know, you, you've got some really cool data collection processes going on for if you need to do a formal performance, you know, review, all the data sitting there. So uh, our actual application automates that and it basically scrapes all the, the, the quantitative, qualitative data that's actually, you know, come through the platform and, and pulls it back as a... Uh, quite a meaningful contextual type of report and we've been investing into that space quite quite a lot more recently where we're actually just again increasing the level of transparency for both the staff member and the leader so you know you know when you are looking at how someone's actually tracking um, it's not about a subjective I feel this there's actually data that's been contributed to by the staff member and and, and by the leader but more more factual based things in around goal performance and so forth that that pull through and our processes now actually even help both the staff member and the leader see where they're actually achieving and and see the areas where they actually need need improvement so yeah. it's it's not about the personal bias it's not about he said or she said it's about well this this is actually what's happening and and helping you know both the staff member and, and the leader see that very easily but yeah i i think the reason why a lot of people don't like performance reviews is they're generally a once a year snapshot of exactly. performance 
And really, you can't judge someone's performance like that. So uh, it's about creating, I suppose, those, you know, for want of a better word, at a, at a the data level, but those data collection points, you know, more frequently and more meaningful type of, you know, processes that are actually giving really good information for, for a business. There's so much information that flows around businesses and, you know, HR's role is to design, you know, processes that are people friendly, that actually add value to them. And, and again, that's where I, I see if, if HR actually gets that right, then they really have a, a very big impact in terms of performance in the business. Absolutely. So in the beginning of the call, you were talking about your your passion for predictive models, Ooh. seeing the link between the people and the performance of the business and how that could be uh, increased, finding the markers that were that you that you wanted to know about upfront, early warnings and so on. So how is the technology helping there and how does that make your solution <laughs> different from from any other HR solution or performance? Um. It's, it's quite funny. It's actually something you said before, actually, you know, what's that big thing, you know, and I think um, any, any software developer or, or, or technology business, um, you know, if we're actually solving a really important problem, then, you know, we're, we're going to build a, a really cool product and, and a very used, you know, widely used product. You know, I suppose there's a number of really big problems that we really focus on trying to solve. And, and, and the first one is actually, it sounds really funny, but trying to use technology to help people connect together uh, really well and trying to get technology out of the way so it, it is just about that meaningful conversation the other thing is is, is information and, and this is where i suppose artificial intelligence and specifically the work that we're doing is in around natural language processing at the moment really comes to the to the front and you know if, if you've got a lot of digital data that you're actually collecting you know for, for a large organization or any organization you know as soon as you employ you know 100 200 people plus yeah. you know, three to thousands and you've got people in multiple locations at a central and enterprise level, there's absolutely no way in the world that you can be across all the information that's flowing in around people. So, sure. and this is where we've, we've got really excited with, you know, both predictive uh, sentiment analysis uh, and keyword analysis. And um, so we've built a, a, a predictive sentiment analysis tool where, you know, in real time, you know, we're predicting sentiment on qualitative statements on a, on a minus one to a positive one rating where we can then identify highly negative things and, and highly positive things, I suppose, on, on a bit of a range um, coming into the platform. And, you know, the, the power to be able to see, you know, something as simple as someone feeling bullied or, 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 or being very aggressive, you know, in around performance, you know, really puts a, a business in the driver's seat to, to be able to react to things. And, and equally, you know, some of the data on highly positive things gives them a, a really good understanding to see where those those high-performing outliers are and, and, and where that actually sits. So, um, yeah. you know, we've been very excited about being able to get our hands on every piece of data and being able to help a business, you know, um, really make sense of it and understand it. And, and uh, AI is just a, an awesome tool to, to be leveraging in that space. Yeah, exactly. So this is, this is really about moving HR out of the process that it was traditionally always all about, you know, the, the process of getting things from A to B. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now it's, it's more about using the data as the fuel to do a rich. strategic. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah. and exactly. You, you hit the nail on the head. Like HR, in my opinion, is, is the best place function role in any organization to uh, impact performance. You know, they touch every element of the organization and they have the most responsibility to, to, to really leverage a business's, you know, greatest assets. And, you know, too many organizations have the HR team or HR organization focused on administrative tasks or, 
the, the good old compliance police, you know, make sure they do this and make sure they do that. But that's not HR's role. You know, HR's role is is basically, you know, meant to be strategic and, and meant to be looking at how we're shaping our workforce, how we're actually improving performance and what are those drivers for engagement and, you know, drivers for performance. And, and, and they really should be involved in connecting, you know, the, the, the customer strategy with the, 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 the people strategy or the people strategy with the customer strategies. You know, it's a, it's a very important position and, you know, if they're spending their time on administrative or compliance tasks, then, you know, they're, they're a wasted asset, uh, in, in my opinion. So our, 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 our role, we focused on whatever we could automate in the HR function. We really wanted to, to drive that level of automation to, to free HR up and, and, and whatever we could do in around, you know, data and, and insights gathering, we really wanted to bring that to them. So you know, even the application of cost and time, you know, through HR and people management processes. Again, it's it's data that businesses never really paid attention to. And, uh-huh. um, you know, so we built a framework to deliver that in a self-service capacity or, you know, um, for, for our customers. Cool. Yeah, it's, 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 it's about these two things. It's take, taking the, the non-value-adding repetitive tasks away. Yep. Uh, but then most importantly, not only freeing up people to do meaningful things, but actually helping them with, with the right insights to do those meaningful things even better. Correct, correct. And I don't know, I think, and, you know, to, to one of your earlier points around, you know, innovation as well, like, you know, we're, we're very big fans. In terms of our development, um, you know, processes, uh, we involve customers. So we do customer co-creation design sprints. So whenever mm-hmm. we're looking at new features or, or doing different things, you know, the, the customer is at the heart of every piece of, you know, development and every, every you know, feature that we actually build into our product. And uh, we've got a very strong validation sort of processes in, in, in the way we actually develop as well. So if we're not making something for a customer that's add value, adding value to them and, and it's practical and they can use it, there's, there's no point in actually doing it. But, you know, that aside, we really want to look at, well, you know, how can we change the way things actually happen? And, you know, there's so much technology available in the world that's, you know, and particularly when you're applying technologies from, from other processes like, you know, some of the, the, the really cool things in, in around marketing and marketing automation, yep. you, know, um, you know, those being applied into a, a people management or a HR context, you know, you can get some really exciting things and you see processes, you know, and, you know, you look at probably recruitment, for example, and uh, the good old applicant tracking system and, you know, that's just so ripe for disruption and, you know, some of the tools <laughs> coming in around that space and, you know, moving to more proactive sourcing and, you know, community building type you know, sort of ideas, you know, I, I really think, you know, again, there's so much disruption and change coming in business and the way we, we do things. And as soon as someone does something, you know, new, that's, you know, better than the old process and the old process uh, gets forgotten very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, what you, I think you, you mentioned it in one of your quotes a couple of minutes ago, help get the technology out of the way, make it almost silent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, we, when we're talking about HR and people management, it, it's not about the software. You know, um, it, it's about helping create, you know, those more meaningful connections. And, you know, even when I, I look at process design, you know, um, and I talk about a lot with customers, um, look at the processes that you're asking people to do and, and, and even what kind of impact on a, on a cultural level can they actually have. And one of the most simplest things that I've been a massive advocate and, you know, for for quite a few years now, but, you know, is, is actually just the rating systems that businesses actually deploy in their, in their performance review processes. And, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of companies, you know, still use a, a rating system where they ask somebody to rate themselves as, 
you know, yeah. below expectations or meeting expectations and, you know, above or exceeds expectations. And, you know, when you talk to them about, you know, how they see someone who's not performing in the business and, 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 and what they want to do with them, all they want to do is help that person get to, you know, a standard, you know, of, of performance. It's, it's not sort of rate them down there and sort of push them out. So, you know, we, we advocate with, with all our customers and, and, and they all take it up, you know, rating systems if they're going to use them that needs help, good job, great job. We've got one customer and I absolutely love their rating system, you know, and it's, it's needs help, good job, great job, hashtag awesome. And, you know, at, at a cultural level, it says so much about that business, you know. Um, if you're a leader and you're rating somebody on a dimension, yeah, if they need help, you're going to rate them need help. And, and you know that sort of really helps trigger that action where my job is to help them or find somebody to actually help them. And, yeah. you know, on the flip side of that, if, if someone's awesome, then, you know, they're awesome and, and such a good feeling, you know, from the staff member to, to, to be seen that way. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, you step back from a lot of processes that businesses still use because it's the, you know, systems and processes they've always used and look at what kind of impact, you know, psychologically or behaviorally that that could actually have or even outcome, you know, you know, wise that could actually have, uh, you know, with a staff member and a leader relationship. And, you know, you, you soon want to change a lot of things very quickly. Exactly. Very interesting. I mean, it's, like I said, I've been in the ERP space for a long time and I've always seen HR solutions and, the, and typically the back office side of things. Yeah. And it was always about the, the, the process and now it, it, it really turns around. So your, your whole journey, I mean, since how long is IntelliHR in business? A couple of years now, right? We're actually coming up to yeah, technically our fifth birthday, <laughs> uh, Christmas this year. You know, we actually listed on the, the Australian stock market um, yeah, in uh, yeah January this year. Uh, you know, so uh, that that that's quite a, an awesome uh, feat to to get to that point. Exactly. You know, we've we've had customers on our platform really probably coming up. Um, you know, three to four years, and we've had beta customers in the early days and started to sell the, the system commercially in in 2016. But but really started to focus and ramp up our sales. You know, last year. So you know, um, as a business, yeah, I, I would say. Uh, and I describe to everybody, we're, we're an early stage technology business, but we're a very exciting early stage technology business. You know, we're, we're really growing customers quite fast. And, you know, we have some very exciting businesses that are actually on our, our, our platform and, hmm. and getting great results. Well, that's good to hear because, I mean, I think it's also what strikes me. I mean, to start a, an HR technology company in this time of age, you would almost say, well, yeah, it's, it's like too late. It's, it's been done. <laughs> there are, I mean, there's the SAPs, the Oracles, the... Microsoft, they all have their HR suites out there, you know, why start? But this is, again, an example that the whole industry can be disrupted if you take the right, the right angle and a different approach. So from that aha moment where you started the company, what were a couple of the milestone moments or decisions that you had to make to, well, to come where you are today? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, you could look at that in so many different ways, Don. <laughs> you know, like being a tech startup, um, you know, funding is really critical. And, you know, there's probably been some really core things that I've really had to stay true to. And, you know, first and foremost, we're a technology business. And, you know, I suppose the allocation of what money we had really always needed to go into the, the software. And, and, and I suppose, you know, being, I suppose, positive around, you know, the product we're actually building and, and I suppose testing that product in the market with, with our beta customers to, to make sure that, you know, there, there's something that they're actually getting value out of. And, 
Again, that's where I think early days, we, we really developed a very customer-centric, uh, customer-focused, you know, business, you know, and all about the customers is one of our core values, but, you know, involving customers in development, making sure that what we've built actually gets results, testing how, you know, new processes and new features actually make an impact into the business um, was, was very, very important early days. So it just wasn't building a product and then waiting to see, you know, if people wanted to buy it. It was, you know, really working hand in hand with, with uh, you know, customers. Yeah. You know, we've got, you know, no free customers on our platform. You know, to me, mate, when we're actually starting to get into that commercial space, it's, well, you know, um, if people aren't willing to pay for it, they're actually not going to value it. So, um, sure. yeah. you know, we, we never, you know, gave people, you know, free access to our system, you know, so all our, our customers are, are, are paying customers from that perspective. And, you know, it's something that, um, you know, was, was core to being able to demonstrate, you know, success in the product. You know, as we've gone, again, it's just how we actually built the business to make sure that we, we've got a very strong you know, technology team uh, followed by a customer success team. And as a business, we're really now aggressively investing into growing, you know, our sales team, you know, but to build a successful technology business, it's got to start with the technology and it's then got to start with the, the, the customer success and, and then the sales will look after themselves. So, you know, we're, we're in that exciting phase now. We're investing into the sales and, and we're, we're seeing really great growth in terms of new customers coming in onto the platform, um, yeah. you know, which is really exciting. But I will say it's one of those things that it's, it's, it's really hard to do, particularly when, you know, you're in that capital raising mode and, you know, you're operating in a marketplace that really doesn't understand software development, uh, let alone, you know, software as a service. And, you know, so um, being in, in good, good old Brisbane, uh, Australia, you know, again, there's some really exciting uh, tech companies coming up out of Brisbane, but I know it's, it's really tough for, for everyone here because we're a, a, a new emerging, you know, industry that, you know, I think the investment community is still coming to grips with in terms of, you know, the business models and the, the significance of investment that's required uh, to, to start these businesses and, and, and move them to, to large scaling operations. So, um, but, you know, with that is the exciting, exciting journey. Exactly. What, what triggers me is that there's, there's a lot of elements in there. Uh, it's about customer focus, working with customers to, in order to deliver results. So what are, what are the, the, the things you, for example, say no to, or, or what are the, the qualifications that you're using in order to say, yes, we're going for this feature because this delivers 10x results rather than 10% results? <laughs> oh, gosh. Look, we've got a really, really cool product management team, and it's actually represented by... You know, obviously it starts with customer, you know, and around concepts, but, you know, we've got, you know, tech representatives in terms of our, our, our CTO and, uh, you know, um, you know, delivery manager and got a product person. We have someone actually full-time focused on data analysis in terms of uh, usage and adoption of, of our platform as well. Uh, we've got customer success involved in there um, and, and also myself from a, a product owner sort of perspective. Uh-huh. And so it's... Uh, uh, for one of a better word, it's an incredibly collaborative effort in terms of how we prioritize, you know, what that's we're actually doing critical. in the product. Prioritization oh, is critical. Because, I mean, if, you, if you're going into the HR space, I mean, the first thing everybody always thinks about is like, okay, now we have to first get the basics right. But at the end, it's about there's, there, there's not the 200 things that you're going to prioritize <laughs> because it's, because it's the, the full breath. It's the 10 things that make the difference. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, I think there's always a constant battle between product uh, breadth and, and also yeah. depth and but also you know we've got a very focus and on R&D and you know a, a lot of the work we're actually doing at a product level 
you know, we're, we're, we're paving a, a new way and we're, we're, you know, we're really working hard to put a, a very exciting new technical sort of solution around what we're actually doing. So, you know, so with that, yeah, I, I come back to its value for the, the existing customer base, but it's also, you know, delivering to our product vision. And, you know, I suppose, you know, we, we're, we're very specific around a, a couple of things, you know, at a product level, but it is to be the number one people technology, uh, you know, platform in the world. And with that, you know, we want to be everything around people that, that's helping them, you know, I suppose making their, their, their workplace uh, better. In addition to that, from a mission perspective, we actually want to be, you know, the most valuable but most addictive, you know, that's tool in the business. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, and where the addiction sort of comes back to, if, if we can increase adoption and usage of our platform, then we're going to increase value for our customers and value for the very users that are actually using it. So, you know, really cool things in around, you know, leveraging gamification concepts, but but providing value and, and valuable insights to, to our users is, is where we, we see we can actually execute and deliver on that. So, you know, at a product strategy, funnily enough, our, our vision and mission are, are really core to, to, you know, what we're actually trying to achieve. And, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're very passionate about making workplaces better for our customers, but, but obviously our, our users as well. So um, any, anything we can do to support that, that mission and vision is where our focus is. Well, but that's at the end also the, the mirror that you then have because you have that vision whereby you say, okay, is this going to help make this product the most valuable and addictive? Or is this feature right. going to add to that or not? And then it's like in or out. Well, and, and at the end of the day, it's, it's also, um, you know, certainly from a, a software development perspective, you know, we, we still operate to the, 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 the concept of um, minimum viable product as well. So, you know, we, we creep up the value chain in terms of, you know, the, the things that we'd like to do within the product. And, and again, that's where we have that, you know, constant, you know, balancing act between, you know, depth and breadth. So, you know, I suppose it comes back to resource allocation within the business. And, you know, we've been very fortunate to, to be able to grow our, our, our tech team uh, quite substantially. And, um, you know, so we've, we've got five different sort of teams, although, you know, uh, they form and reform and change, you know, depending on what, what pieces of work we're actually doing. But, you know, we've, we've got a good depth, which means we can get a really good run rate in terms of, uh, you know, improvement and enhancement within the actual product. Yeah. What was a catalyst or a breakthrough moment? If you have re- reached that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I'll actually go the glass half full. You know, I think we've got so much more that we actually want to achieve. I, I'm really proud of, you know, what the business is actually doing and what all the people are actually doing. Um, you know, as a, as a leader, I'm, I'm actually really proud of the people within our business for, you know, uh, not only their individual sort of, you know, talents and brilliance, but how they actually work together. And in particular, you know, with, you know, them, them all in, improving everything in, in around themselves. So um, it's, it's actually really cool to see, um, you know, I suppose that the, the people in our business grow, to be quite frank. You know, but at a product level, you know, it's some of the outcomes and some of the case studies that are actually starting to come out of our, our, our software where, you know, we've made very big differences to their business. And again, when I look at, you know, the excitement part of our business, um, you know, we're starting to spread our, our users and, you know, we've got users all through Australia, um, New Zealand. Um, we've got a few in, in, you know, the US. We've got a pocket of users over in Poland and, and also uh, in, into uh, Malaysia and, um you know, I think, you know, over time to, to see the, the global reach of our product and, you know, as we continue to grow and deal with, with more global companies, you know, it, it's just going to be exciting to see the, the software used uh, worldwide. So um, I think, yeah, the best is yet to come in our business, to be quite honest. And, you know, and, and again, a lot of the, 
the innovation and, and the work we're doing at a product development level and, and, and particularly in around, you know, the application of, you know, I suppose natural language sort of processing. And I'm very interested in natural language generation as well at the moment. And, you know, um, yeah, we've got some exciting projects that we're working on in that sort of space. And on the flip of that, there's, there's so many bigger problems yet to be solved. And, you know, when we look at our customers and, you know, where they're getting success and, you know, we've probably helped them in the first instance by providing them the tools that, that give them the track to run on to improve, you know, I suppose, leadership within their business, but, but also employee experience. But there's so much more that I, I know that, that we can improve to, to, to help all people, you know, you know down, down the value chain. And, you know, I suppose even when you look at our, our tools at the moment on the AI space being really around data analytics, there's so much more that, you know, we can support a, a staff member, you know, just even in around setting their own goals and, and those sorts of things. So, you know, I think, yeah, the, the exciting stuff, although we've done a lot of exciting stuff, a lot of cool stuff, but, you know, the, the big stuff's yet to come. <laughs> so you were talking about a couple of case studies that are coming down the line. What is, it, what is an anecdote that you, from a customer that you're most proud of? Oh, there's a bunch of them. There's one customer at the moment that just gives me shivers, to be quite honest, and um, mm. it's just how they're using the product. They're using it exactly the way it was designed and in the context of what I call designer HR. You know, so they, they're constantly tweaking processes in response to how their staff are actually interacting with them. And, you know, that sends shivers up my spine because HR is not a set and forget thing. And, you know, when I look at a lot of the companies where we're doing a, a system replacement, they've got the product that they installed three, five years ago, and it's the same thing. You know, our product is, can change daily if a customer so wants it to. And, you know, the processes really need to change on a regular basis to, to keep pace with the business strategy, but, but also, you know, how people are actually interacting and, and even actually changing, you know, within the workforce. So, you know, to, to see a customer actually making real change in real time and, and constantly really just actually excites me because I, I know they're, they're a business that's invested into their, their people and, and they're responding and, and they're constantly looking at how they can improve that. What is the outcome of that then for them? That, uh, that gets where for those guys, oh, look, um, you know, they've gone, you know, over 20% lift up in their engagement scores within the business. <laughs> you know, their, their compliance uh, in terms of one-on-one catch-ups and goal setting you know, are in the, you know, 97, 98, 99 percentile type range. Their financial performance, from, from what I understand, um, you know, they're actually March uh, year end and ha- has been a very, you know, very successful financial year for them as well. And, and, and probably the most exciting thing is just the transparency and that's actually gone across that organisation where, you know, I suppose a lot of the, the, the data and the information flow, you know, that, that the systems actually help generate generate for, for the business has, has improved, you know, transparency from top to bottom. And again, you know, they're, they're all the hallmarks for, for high-performing organisations. And yeah, so it's, it's really exciting to, to see companies do that. And, you know, th- there's a number of customers, like the bulk of our customers have, have really probably come on, you know, late last year and through the course of this year so far. So, you know, we're, we're just seeing more of those kind of examples come through. And, you know, we're, we're not perfect. I'll, I'll say that. Like we've, we're a you know, we're an awesome product and I, I think, you know, we're, we're really trying hard to, to, to lead the way. And the exciting part is, you know, we're, we're continuing to invest aggressively to, to, to keep working on those things that help lift adoption in business and, and help people have better conversations and, and, and actually, you know, help them, you know, be clear about expectations and set expectations. Cool. 
So if you would it's give, exciting. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would imagine. I mean, see if you see uh, that, that the product that you're offering is really helping organizations to, to go from an okay organization to a high-performing organization, you know, that's magic. Yeah, that it comes back to them. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's the tool that actually gives, you know, the HR organization or the business, you know, what they need and, and the track for them to, to execute exactly. their strategy. So they've still got to have the strategies. They've still got to want to, you know, drive performance. But, you know, it, it's a tool that really supports it. Yeah. So out of the lessons that you've learned so far from customers and from, well, of course, throughout your whole career, because you've been in this space for a while, what advice would you give a chief HR officer or CEO for a company if they, are, if they are going to make a decision in the next coming six months? What should they approach in a different way? Look, I think, well, the first thing is probably be very clear about what their people strategy is. And, and I think, you know, whilst, you know, it's probably very difficult to be, you know, controlling of culture, but look at the processes that they currently have and, and how they actually, you know, may drive and, and, and inform, you know, culture. And uh, I, I think it is really focusing in on probably digital transformation. We see a lot of businesses that, sure. you know, don't provide people, you know, the tools for them to be able to communicate and, and connect effectively, you know, not only a staff member to the leader, but leader to, to, to uh, their, their staff member. So, and, and realise that, you know, the pace of change is speeding up. You know, it's no longer about, you know, setting a five or a 10-year plan and, and, and head to that direction. It's constant yep. sort of you know, iterations of business models. And, and the business model also comes down in terms of how people work together. You know, I, I really think, you know, and, and I know it's harder for, for very large, you know, businesses, but, you know, the, the, the flatter, you know, an organization can, can become, um, you know, than, than the higher performing and, you know, the more flexible you can create an organization to, you know, rally around particular, you know, projects or particular focuses and, and then basically um, change, you know, tack, you know, again, you know, you know, gives you a lot of adaptability and, you know, I suppose uh, the ability to respond to what, what's quite a fast changing, you know, um, business. Exactly. So from an ISP perspective or business software perspective, your, your colleagues in the marketplace, what would be an advice you would give them if they would start something uh, right new uh, right now, or they want to kind of yeah, stay relevant in the industry? In terms of a tech company, yeah, it's a tech company. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think the biggest learning I've had in terms of starting a technology business is, you know, to 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 really look at adequate funding very early on and ensure that you actually create your space to to invest and, and go hard at building your technology. It's not building technology in isolation of customer. You know, at the end of the day, customer's got to be the heart of everything you actually do. But, you know, to, to adequately fund yourself, you know, for, you know, the journey that it's actually going to take to, to, to build your product and, and get it driving through the market is, is really key. And, you know, whether that's by finding, you know, the right investors that will continue to invest and grow with you, but it's, um, it's something really important. And sure. um, probably the right investors, again, is, is the most important thing. And people that actually share the same values and, you know, um, exactly. the ideals and, and, and particularly probably get the marketplace that you're operating in. And we've certainly found it's really hard to find people that understand, you know, software as a service and, you know, understand the, the incredible upfront investment that you actually make in building technology. And, you know, we, we've, we've, as a business, we've, we've done it the, the hard way by, you know, bootstrapping and self-funding, you know, for, for, for an extended period of time and then, 
you know, bringing investors in sort of uh, later through. But, you know, again, um, you know, in, in hindsight, more upfront to invest harder, faster into the technology. You know, I, I could be two or three years in front of where I am right now if, if I uh, uh, was uh, greater funded. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so what's next? What is your greatest aspiration that you have in front of you right now? Oh, look, again, at a technology level, um, I'm just really excited to be pursuing, um, you know, I suppose, you know, some of the ideas that we actually have in around, you know, helping people in, in, in workplaces and, you know, specifically probably the next, uh, you know, mission I've got is actually in around, funnily enough, goal setting. And, you know, there's some, some really interesting things that we want to pursue in that place, uh, in that space, um, and, and also really sort of look at how we can uh, introduce high levels of gamification to, you know, to encourage people to be, to be really uh, in, involved and in using goal setting more often. At a business level, you know, it's, it's continuing to build a successful listed, you know, company on, on the Australian stock market. And, you know, uh, again, we've, we've got a lot of learnings in, in terms of, you know, working with the investor community and, and also getting people on the, the same journey that we're actually going on. So, again, that, that's something really exciting. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm really, really proud of the achievement of, of our business to, to, to become a, a, a listed company on, on the stock market. Yeah. You know, at, at a business level, it, it's actually about what that next hop is, you know. You know, we're, we're, we're sitting at about 40-plus staff at the moment on the way to about 50-odd as a business. So we're still really small, particularly when you look at our competitors and, and, and who we go up against every day. You know, so there's a long journey ahead there. But, you know, the, the next step is, you know, that massive surge of growth where I can see, you know, we're, we're going to scale, you know, with a very fast scaling customer base and, and, and also intended, you know, global strategy. So we never set out to be a, a Brisbane software business. You know, very proud we've been able to fast come an Australian software business, but we actually want to be a, a global software business. So it's it's just looking at conservatively plotting what those steps are and also doing it in such a way that, you know, we're a, a um, you know, fast and sustainable, fast growing and sustainable business. Yeah, cool. Nice couple of aspirations you go there. So if yeah, you could ask we've, we've got a... I was going to say we've got a good mentor here in Australia, and you know, um, you know, looking at uh, Atlassian and what they've actually done, and even actually when you you, you go across the Tasman to you know what Zero have actually done, I, I think you know both those businesses are are really exciting and and, and great companies to to uh, to I suppose follow their path or, or or look at their learnings and and you know try and you know emulate their their growth and their success. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You need to have something, something to uh, to peer around, right? Absolutely. So, what, so what, uh, if there's anything you could ask the audience, what would it be? How could I help you? <laughs> well, I, you, you stumped me on that one. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, look, I think the, the thing that I'm actually continuously interested in is, you know, what are the biggest challenges that the businesses are actually facing and, and, and where do they see that next challenge um, coming at them from around the corner? I'm very interested in, you know, I suppose how businesses are intending to to, to shift the the way they actually organise, you know, their workforces. And, yeah. you know, I think a, a lot of jobs and, again, it's where that fear comes in around technology, but, you know, a lot of jobs just aren't going to be done the way they're done today, you know, in, in three and five years' time. And, True. you know, I, I look at my, my staff and just in the space of, you know, the last three months, you know, we've, we've changed the way they do all their, their, their roles and, you know, we've, we've, you know, made things more, I don't know, innovative and we've used a lot of technology to, to do things differently. So the skill sets, you know, in around our business are, are again, they're constantly evolving and changing. So, you know, I suppose that the questions are how, how do businesses, you know, see themselves going about 
not so much preparing, but starting to, you know, make changes in their business to adapt to, to you know, I suppose the, the fast-changing nature of business in, exactly. in itself. Exactly. You know, I, I saw something the other day, which is getting around where, you know, everyone's been fearing, you know, self-driving cars. And I've got a six-year-old who I still don't think will ever get to drive a car. But, you know, now there's, there's uh, you know, flying cars, you know, where they, yeah. I think they've got that drones that can uh, carry Uber. two people point to point. And I'm thinking, exactly. oh, gosh, you know, <laughs> um, you know we're, we're really heading down the, the pathway of Meet the Robinson so quick. It's just not funny. But, you know, I think... You know, people are always constantly pushing the boundaries in terms of what's possible and adapting other technologies and, and other concepts to, to, to change the way we, we see and do things. True, true, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. So let's see what the coming years are going to bring us. So where that's can right. people go if they want to find more about you or just say hello? Look, definitely look me up on LinkedIn and, you know, you can search me under Rob Bramage or, you know, certainly for our website, intellihr.com.au. That's simple. Well, thank you very much, Rob, for your insights. And I really admire the, the, the route, the journey that you've chosen to become a next generation HR suite. Oh, thanks, Tom. It's been great talking to you. Absolutely. The pleasure was fully on my side. And for everybody that's listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Rob Romage, CEO of Intel HR. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, And lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.